Good morning, church. It is great to be alive in the United States of America in July 16, 2023. And aren't things getting much more interesting on the planet? Yeah. And so, well, I just am so excited. I want to, hey, is there any of the VBS team that went to Prattville in their house? Would you stand up for those of you who went and ministered to our church in Prattville with VBS? It was great. I can't wait. Abby in the back, thank you. Uh, I, I know that they were blessed. Our, 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 our sister church in Prattville, that was fantastic. And how about ladies and gentlemen, on the drums, Mr. Drew Collins. Whoa! I didn't expect you to stand up and take a bow. Sure. But, um, uh, well, Keith and Gina are taking a, a, a much-deserved time off, and, uh, and I trust you guys are praying for them. Uh, but as they're away, I pray. I mean, how many of us coming here this morning, we just got a million things on our mind? I mean, we're rolling in. Here comes Monday. Um, you got stuff on your mind, stuff on your heart, right? Am I correct? Okay. Let's pray then. Lord, uh, our minds are beaten up by so many things. Our hearts, our emotions are pulled in so many different directions, God. But Lord, this is where we are right now. We are here right now, Lord, and there's no better place to be and there's no other place you would have us be, Lord, whether it's watching online this morning or sitting in this chair. And Lord, we just pray that since we're here, we will be where we are. We need to be where we are. We need to hear what you want to say to us. Beyond any words that I may speak this morning, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to us exactly where we are in our heartbroken state, in our confused state, in our financially deprived state, in, in whatever state we may find ourselves in, with, with our confusion over who are you, God? Are you at all? Do you really care? Father, may those questions, Lord, either be answered this morning or may our fears and our concerns of them be greatly diminished by your spirits moving in our hearts because you keep in perfect peace the one whose mind has stayed on you because he trust in you. Lord, we only trust in you because you give us grace to trust in you. And we just receive that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are the very last verse of the first chapter of Hebrews, uh, verse 14. Uh, we're, this morning we're talking about angels, God's ministering spirits. Uh, Annette and I had quite an interesting experience. And I mean, I guess... You know, it's, things happen. Phil and I were praying this morning. He talked about a car that just should have smashed him and Liz on the way back from St. Louis. And all of a sudden, it didn't happen. I mean, there are experiences that we have in lives that we just, our lives that are just so difficult to explain except for supernatural interventions. And this morning, we're going to talk about God's angels that are ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those God has given to inherit salvation. 
Annette and I were on our way to Asheville, North Carolina for a funeral of the wife of a dear friend of mine. Um, if you fly Delta and you fly cheap like we do, anybody fly cheap Delta, you don't know what your seats are until you know, you're about to get on the plane and Annette's seat was 31C and my seat was 31 a or something like that. They weren't together. So I go to the, I go to the gal at the desk and I say, hey, could we possibly get our seats together? She says, sure. So we're in 23A and B. And so we sit there. Now, typically, Annette puts me in the middle because she knows there's going to end up being a conversation with somebody about something like maybe Jesus, maybe. Um, and uh, it happens. And, uh, and I think airplanes are just the best place. People are scared to death. You know, it's a great opportunity. Uh, so, so, but this beautiful young lady sits next to Annette at the end. And it's an early flight. And on her little tray table flops a Bible. <laughs> oh, this is easy. Um, <laughs> so, so Annette and she start talking. I'm... I'm, I'm just, I'm doing something else. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to mind my own business for a change. And let, and so Annette and she are talking, talking about Jesus, where she goes to church and all this other stuff. And Annette's, uh, now she wasn't supposed to sit in that seat either. She got moved to that seat. And so Annette asks her at the very end of their tour, their end of the flight, we're just flying to Atlanta. She said, well, do you have any questions about the Bible? And she says, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, Ashley, you're not here this morning, are you? God, I was hoping you would be. Um, she says, yeah, what is this in John 3 about being born again? What does all that mean? <laughs> now, I'm hearing this and I'm going, dang, why is she getting to do this? <laughs> and my beloved bride gets to pray with that precious gal. To give her life to Christ. Isn't that awesome? Now, I, now I, don't, I don't know how all that works. I don't know if angels are flight attendants or anything else. I know they're not. But, um, but God is constantly at work. Whether we know he's working or not, God is always at work. And he gives his angels as ministering spirits to serve for the sake of God's elect. Now, you know, typically in a bunch in a message like this, I, you know, putting together a Sunday sermon is a neck can tell you. If you saw me on a, the days and everything, but you know, um, putting together a Sunday sermon is a lot. But since today I'm speaking about angels, I just thought I'd wing it. I got to thank Mike Batto a little bit for that, but, um, so blame him. And Gene's not here to hear it. Gene, I hope you heard that. Um, uh. Anyway, well, I just want to take a little look at the introduction here this morning. Uh, just read that with me. And uh, so after taking virtually the entire first chapter to articulate the deity, the atoning work, and the supremacy of Christ over all things, including angels using the Hebrew scriptures to corroborate those claims, the writer sneaks in and, oh, oh, by the way, 
They are here not just as supernatural beings who carry out the will of God. They are here for your sake, carrying out the will of God. That's great news. You know, the word angel in the Hebrew or the Greek, it's the word malach in the Hebrew. It's angelos in the Greek. Um, It just simply means messengers. And that word messenger is used whether it's human messengers or angelic messengers. Angels are not humans. Humans do not become angels. Humans, we will become angel-like, the scripture says, after we are departed from these bodies. But humans do not become angels. But angels, I mean, really, who thinks about angels in July? Right? I mean, we think about angels at Christmas time, right? We think about angels when it's Christmas. That's when Americans think about angels. And, and what do we think about them? Well, they're on the top of Christmas trees. Um, but by the way, I, just, I was just curious about this. This is really sitting with me. How many of you put angels on the top of your Christmas tree versus stars? Angels on top of trees. Okay, how many put stars on top of Christmas trees? Oh, gosh, it's about 50-50 here. Okay, I feel, okay. All right, well, let's close in prayer. Um, <laughs> you know, or they're Christmas cards, right? I mean, angels and Christmas cards, those are really great. Or, I mean, what's Christmas without the movie It's a Wonderful Life and Clarence the Angel, right? I mean, that's, remember, he gets his wing. Anybody not seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay. All right, next Sunday morning, we'll be watching that. Um, Or possibly we think of movies and TV. Did anybody see the 1996 John Travolta movie where he played the archangel Michael? Yeah, he was this this gluttonous, cigarette-smoking, just, it was, obviously, this is not the Michael of the Bible, for sure. Uh, Or the most beautiful angels of all, huh? Charlie's angels, right? We, We definitely into Charlie's Angels, or possibly we're feeling a little bit insecure nowadays. You guys remember New York's Guardian Angels? I mean, I hear they're coming back to New York. I can't understand why things are so safe there. Um, But maybe we're feeling patriotic and we think about the Blue Angels. Yeah, I knew I'd get some attention there. Um, Or maybe we're just feeling old and all we can think about are visiting angels. Um, And then now, you know, nowadays with all this UFO thing, I mean, could those be angels? Wait, we don't call them UFOs anymore. They're UAPs. Is that what we call them? Unidentified aerial projections or something like that. I mean, what's wrong with UFO? I don't know. But anyway, when we look, when, when the writer of the Hebrews is getting down to brass tacks with the Jews, I mean, these Jewish believers have experienced great persecution And they're encouraging them to trust God. Because the Jewish mind doesn't think about spiritual things other than the one true God and angels. And and, and the writer is appealing to their faith in the midst of the persecution they are experiencing. Encouraging them to trust what they can't see. The writer has only spoken about what they can't see. To trust in what they can't see in the midst of all that they are seeing. I mean, we're going to get to Hebrews 11 by maybe 2027. And when we do that, uh, we'll see that by faith, things don't always go the way we 
mere mortals would like them to go. And there's torturing and there's sawing in two and there's imprisonment and chains, all of those things. How hard this is for them to believe, especially when they are being tested as they are, separated from families, starving, run from their homes. These are Jewish converts to Christianity. But Paul encourages the Corinthians. I don't have this in your notes, but you've got notes on the back of your notes, those little lines. You could write down 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And this is what Paul says to the Corinthians, which the writer could have written to the church of the Hebrews. He says, so we do not, in the midst of our tribulation, let's apply this to us. I know this is kind of, we're talking about first century Jews, but church, we're getting there. This tribulation time is coming and we better be prepared for it. We better not be living like 21st century Americans if we think as followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to be able to endure what is coming. And so we need to be, as I talked to us about several months ago, be trained in righteousness. So we do not lose heart, the apostle writes. He says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us and even preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen, they are eternal. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. The writer is encouraging them to trust more in what they can't see than what they can see. You and I have a tough time with that? You bet we do. But he is pushing forward. Trust more in what you can't see than what you can see. I think many of us have heard the phrase, um, you guys are so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. You heard that statement before? Um, Have you ever heard the reverse of that? Hey man, you're so earthly minded, you're of no heavenly good. How many of us here are too too heavenly minded? Yeah. How many of us here are too earthly minded? Yeah. Oh, that I would be more heavenly minded. Oh, that I would trust more in what I don't see than what I do see. But if I practice and train myself to trust in only that which I see, even though I, for some reason I believe because I prayed a prayer to receive Christ and I'm going to heaven one day and I need his help every once in a while. Church, we need to see what we can't see. We need to live in the unseen so that as we live in the scene, we are more effective for heaven's purposes, for God's purposes. And that takes training in righteousness. It takes knowing the righteous one. It takes receiving and believing that which you and I have received and believed. The very person of God, the creator of all things, living in me, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's get, let's be guilty of being too heavenly minded. But this was tough for the Jews. This was tough for them. 
It's tough for the church. I mean, the Jews, I mean, when you think about it, they're looking for more supernatural. Uh, they're not looking for supernatural things. All they, they've got the Father and they've got angels. They're concerned about what's happening right in front of them. I mean, they're not looking for a Jewish Messiah from heaven, much less a Jewish Messiah from Nazareth. I mean, they want a Jewish guy from the south side of Chicago. That's the Messiah they're looking for. They're looking for somebody just to, just to take things and make a mess and recreate them. But these angels, these ministering spirits of God, they are ubiquitous. I love that word. My grandson taught me that word. They're everywhere. Could somebody turn that? If we don't turn that clock on up there, this could be a long, long day. Um, They're everywhere. They're God's secret agents. Quote from Brian Hodge in your notes. He said, angels are mentioned throughout the Bible. They're mentioned in Genesis. They're mentioned in Revelation. The word angel appears 285 times in the King James Version, 108 times in the Old Testament, 177 times in the New Testament. The word appears in 35 books of the Bible, 17 Old, 18 New Testament books. Moreover, these counts have not considered other terms for angels such as sons of God, saints, holy ones, hosts, or I add winds, stars, flaming fire, flashing lightning. There are more verses about angels than there are verses in the book of Hebrews. What about Israel and angels? Why is the writer making such a big deal about angels and the supremacy of Christ to angels? In Matthew's commentary of the whole Bible, Matthew Henry says, Many Jews had a superstitious or idolatrous respect for angels. Because they had received the law and other tidings of the divine will be their ministry. They looked upon them as mediators between God and men. And some went so far as to pay them a kind of religious homage or worship. Thus it was necessary that the apostles should insist not only on Christ being the creator of all things and therefore the creator of angels themselves. MacArthur writes in his commentary on the Hebrews, so the Jewish mind so to the Jewish mind, angels were extremely exalted, immeasurably important. If the writer of Hebrews therefore was to persuade his fellow Jews that Christ is the mediator of a better covenant than that given through Moses, he would have to show among other things that Christ is better than angels. The thrust of one 4 through 14. Christ must be shown to be better than the bearers and the mediators of the old covenant, namely the angels. And Paul supports that in, in Colossians 1, uh, pardon me, Colossians 2.18, where he talks about, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, that is um, abuse of the flesh, or paying no attention to things that would bring bring uh, favor or bring flavor to the life of the flesh. He says, insisting on asceticism at or worship of angels. So Paul's very well aware of that taking place. Well, why angels? Why does almighty God, creator of all things, need angels? Well, I don't think he needs angels. But God has chosen to create angels. In Revelation 4.11, John writes that the angels declare, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will 
They created. They existed and were created. You created all these things for your will. I wrote here, there's lots of mystery in the Bible. In there, there's lots of mystery. God doesn't have to tell us why he does what he does or doesn't do what he doesn't do. He needs bring no explanation other than that which he chooses to reveal to us. That's when we better start paying attention. Why is it that I'm so much more interested in the things I can't grasp than I am in the things so clearly written in this word that the Lord says, hey, pay attention to what I've written to you. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. So many times, I know you've heard the stories, you've maybe seen pictures of the intervention of angels. And their intervention is so that these ministering spirits will serve those intended for salvation, those who will inherit salvation. Here's something else that the angels did. They brought the law of God to Moses. We have at least four scriptures here. I gave you a few of them. I'm just going to read to you from Galatians 3.19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels. The law was put in place through angels by an intermediary. And then Hebrews 2, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. God used angels. Now, we don't see that in Exodus chapter 19 or 20 when the law is given. But we do get a picture of this in the second reading of the law in Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 2. This is what Moses writes. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir, that's Mount Seir, upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran, that's the poor boy shop down veterans. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Wow. I mean, these are not the pictures of angels that you and I typically get. Uh, But when were they created? We don't see a picture of their creation in the six days of creation. They must have been created possibly right before the earth was created, but we really don't have a great grasp of that. We see Genesis 2.1, thus the, the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. I just added that scripture. But in, in, in Job 38.6.7, to what were the foundations fastened, the foundations of the earth? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together? And all the sons of God shouted for joy. So this seems to be a picture of when the, when the earth is being formed, that the sons of the morning, the morning stars were singing in the background. I mean, it's an incredible picture that we see. I mean, it's almost like the background. You know, Keith can't end a message. For some reason, the messages here can't end without music. Um, and that background, so I know, Steve, you're going to help me again today. So, but... That music is taking place while the creation of the earth is, is happening. 
And is there a bunch of them? There are a bunch of them. 68, 17, the Psalms. The chariots of God are twice 10,000. Thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gatherings. I mean, this is real, folks. This is real. What I'm telling you about is real. There are angels that we cannot see that, you know, possibly, I don't know. Because as I said, the scriptures don't give us detail upon detail upon detail about angels. But it gives us enough that if I read the writer of the Hebrews say, they are, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? All who are to inherit salvation. Is there a switch somewhere that we could just switch and all of a sudden, and we see, not fat little cherubs, you know, harping around, but we see what the Bible describes as spirits, angels, who are to minister to those who inherit and I, get, I love that word inherit, not earn salvation, inherit as a gift from a God of grace and mercy, eternal salvation. And God gives us that. So we don't know how many there are, but there are many, many of them. Revelation 5, I can't not read this. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the lit. Can you just picture this? Try I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders of the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. I mean, nobody's going to be picking up their cell phones taking pictures of this. We are going to be aghast with the unspeakable glory of what we now do not see. But that which is happening and will happen. So what do they look like? They do not look like this. They do not look like that. They, they are not these, eh, what do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do today? I don't know. Yeah. You want to go down the street? Uh, this is not happening. But this is the picture that we get. We just want to humanize them. We want to downsize them like we want to downsize God, like we want to downsize the spirit realm. We want to make... Much of that which is little, and little of that which is much. How heavenly minded are we? We need to be more. And so the Bible talks about at least maybe four different types of angels. We're just going to talk, talk on a, about a couple of them. There are the cherubim. Now, have you noticed the word cherubim and seraphim? Well, the I am on the end of it makes it plural. So more than one cherub is cherubim or cherubim. Did you not know that before? Is that, is that not worth just coming to learn that? <laughs> Dang, good stuff. Ezekiel 1, this is a long passage, but man, let's try to get our heads wrapped around this. Ezekiel 1, 4 through 14. As I looked, Ezekiel writes, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north. I almost wish I had sound effects right now. A storm, you can add them if you want. A, there you go. A stormy wind came out of the north. These are angels. And a great cloud 
of angels came out of the north with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually in the midst of the fire as if as it were gleaming metal and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures and here's their appearance they had a human likeness but each had four faces typically humans are two-faced but these had four faces sorry and each of them had four wings their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot I think about that like women trying to walk in really high heels I mean just can't imagine how that worked ladies you know I don't know that and they sparkled with burnished bronze under their wings on their four sides they had human hands And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an angel on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another. While two covered their bodies and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. Like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. The fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Here's an artist's rendering of the cherubim. I mean, just glorious and awful all at the same time. And then there are the seraphim. We see the seraphim throughout the scripture, but particularly in Isaiah 6. We're very familiar with this verse. In the year King Uzziah died, remember Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And these angels proclaiming, holy, holy, holy. Angels proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And he says, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And we kind of get this picture of seraphim. But that doesn't even begin to describe the glory of of these angels, this God-given glory and might and power of these angels who are to do the bidding of God. We see there's two named angels in the Bible, actually three, if we talk about Lucifer. And today you'll notice I'm not going into the area of fallen angels at all. I'm trying to stick here with the text. That will come at another time for us. But there is... There, is, there are the archangels, there are the cherubim, the seraphim, and there are the living creatures and the hosts. We'll talk about those just for a minute. But Michael was the fighter. Wherever you see a fight, you'll find Michael. Okay, there's several of us like that in this congregation. Fight, and we're after. Let's go. Uh, that's Michael. Michael's the fighter. Look, Daniel 10. And angels to come to Daniel. He's been praying for God, for God's intervention for his people as they are in captivity in Babylon. 
says, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me. This is an angel speaking to Daniel, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help because I was detained there with the king of Persia. King of Persia is an allusion to Satan or one of his demons. And then in, in Jude, the first and only chapter of Jude, verse 9. But when the archangel Michael Contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Angels are not independent. They do. These angels do only the bidding of God. And let me remind us, the bidding of God for them is that they would be ministering servants sent for the sake of serving God's Anointed, elected ones who will inherit salvation. And then we see Gabriel. Gabriel is the announcer. Gabriel's the talk show host. He's the guy that speaks and things happen. We see him in Daniel 8, in Daniel 10, in Luke 1, probably in Matthew 1, interacting with Daniel. Zacharias, he announces to Zacharias in the temple that His wife, Elizabeth, though she is beyond years of having children, she will have a child and they will name him John and he becomes John the baptizer. And then Gabriel appears to Mary and he probably appears to Joseph, though that angel is not mentioned by name in Matthew 1, more than likely that is Gabriel as well. They're called living creatures in Ezekiel and Revelation. They're called hosts. The hosts of heaven in Psalm 148, Psalm 103. The word hosts in the Hebrew is a mass of persons. But here's the point. Regularly organized for war. They are an army for service and battle. We see through the scriptures, he is the Lord of hosts. Or the Lord God of hosts. He is the one who oversees angels Armies. Now, a question I think a lot of us have is, are there guardian angels? I mean, are there, is there an angel with me wherever I go? Well, the scripture's not real clear about that. I don't know. But possibly. Let's look at another long passage here from Acts chapter 12. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, okay, remember, they're just passing guards here. They're paying no attention. They're not seeing either, either the guards were blinded or, or Peter was made invisible. We don't know what it was. They came to the iron gate leading into the city. And listen to this. It opened for them of its own accord. He didn't have a remote control. It just opened with, uh, it's on its own accord. And they went out and went along one street. Immediately, the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the the Jewish people were expecting. 
When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, oh, they of great faith, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Now, okay, well, who was it? Was it the Lord or was it angels? Was it the angels or was it the Lord? Who fit the battle of Jericho? Who was it? Joshua. Did Joshua win that battle all by himself? No. No, he was the commander. So even when angels do the bidding of God, angels do the bidding of God with the ability that God gives them to do that. And then Matthew 18, 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Did you read that? Is that really in the Bible? See to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who's in heaven. Well, what are little ones? Is that when you're prepubescent, maybe little ones? No, guess who's called little ones? I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. All those. And then he says, their angels in heaven always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Wow. Do you see the attention that God has given to us through giving angels to keep their eyes on us? God blesses us as his elect in many ways. But how should we respond to that? I know we can't see these guys. But I wonder if we would treat one another differently. If we saw those angelic hosts at either side of us. God says to you, my children, I have lavished upon you redemption and forgiveness. I have made you my own, I have given you all you need for life and godliness. And oh, by the way, I've chosen to give you ministering spirits sent by me for your sake as those who will inherit salvation. You know, one of my favorite scriptures, Second Kings 6. Elisha is driving the Assyrian king crazy. The Assyrian king thinks that there must be someone in his entourage that are telling the Jews what his next move is. But it's God speaking to Elisha and informing them. And what does the Assyrian king want to do? You know what he wants to do, the same thing you and I would want to do. We want to get rid of this guy. This is when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, probably a few expletives. 
And then he said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open the eyes that they may see, that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. And we have so many pictures. And I, I, I'm not going to go through this list right now, and you're grateful for that. But uh, there are so many ways we see that angels ministered to Jesus from the beginning of his ministry to the very end of his ministry and even his ascension into heaven. And I've, I've listed those for you if you have interest in just seeing, again, how Christ is supreme, how angels serve their creator. Now, here's an interesting question. Do angels accompany the redeemed to heaven? Hmm. What does scripture say? We don't get a lot. We get a little bit. Luke 16, 22. You're familiar with this passage. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. We see that Jesus, when he ascends into heaven, angels are there. When Elijah is there and then no more. He is whisked up in a whirlwind by chariots and God's horsemen, by angels. I've heard some interesting stories of people right as they're dying, suddenly their eyes open brightly right before they die. What did they see? I don't know. But could it be? Are they not all ministering spirits sent by God for the sake of those who will inherit eternal salvation. But here's a question. There's lots of things we can't see that we trust, is there not? Uh, all the time, there's things we don't see, but we believe. And, and it's not irrational to believe them. There's all kinds of things happening in our bodies right now. We can't see them. There's all kind of sine waves and sound waves going all through this room. Technology, wireless technology. You can't see what's connecting here, but it's happening. We can't see it, but it's real. Why do we have such a hard time? Here's, here's something that I, I can't help but ask. The question, do angels accompany the redeemed to heaven? What about those who do not know, who have not received Christ? What or who takes them to hell? That's a sobering question. Now this morning, possibly you are here, possibly you're watching, and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You do not know this blessed, certain hope that is given to us through the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And you need him.
as your Savior. You need these ministering servants sent by God for the sake of those who will. Here's, a, here's the clause, the phrase, for those who will inherit salvation, not for the sake of those who will not inherit salvation because they reject Jesus Christ. These Jews did not reject Christ. They accepted Christ. And here's the encouragement to them. Though you're going through everything you're going through right now, though life doesn't make sense, though you're watching loved ones die and be ripped from you, what you do not see will remain and does remain. And one day it will be very, very visible. His promise is for those who will inherit salvation. This morning, are you in that place? Are you one of God's own that you will inherit salvation? Do not leave here this morning. Do not turn off your computer, your laptop, your TV set this morning. And having not trusted Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation, your hope in life, And death is Christ alone. And as you're sitting here this morning, before you leave here this morning, if you come up at the front because folks will be here to pray this morning, do not leave here without God's ministering angels for your sake, caring for you. And having God's spirit living in you and receiving the life that God offers. Well, I just want to close this, this portion of the message. And I, I, I I just wanted to, 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 to write this down because I knew I couldn't remember it. And I wanted you to read this with me and thank you for your patience as we've read a lot of scripture this morning, not the 300 plus that we could have. Um, but concerning angels, how much They who watch their creator, who created the universe, all that is in it, seen and unseen, respond when they see their creator for a while made lower than they. Psalm 8. How do they, when they watch in horror their creator subject himself to his sinful creatures, not hear the voice of his father say, sick them? No doubt angels attended many crucifixions, but never a crucifixion as this. Never a miscarriage of justice like this. How must they have painstakingly submitted themselves to the authority of the Father and the Son to stay their hands from doing what they had done so many times throughout history to the enemies of God? Would it not make sense that as they wiped out the Assyrians, Sodom and Gomorrah, the other cities of the valley, King Herod, and so many others, would it not seem logical for the archangel, Michael, to expect the word of God to command him to unleash the fury of heaven upon the instigators of their creator's brutal murder? But not a word was spoken. Heaven was silent. The angel stood still in befuddled amazement. And yet, these same angels are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake 
of those who will inherit salvation. Let's try to wrap our heads around that. Angels are refused to rescue the sinless son of God, their creator, but commanded to keep their eyes on every sinful yet chosen child of God and render service to us? Really? For the purpose of the redemption of man, angels stood still. For that was not their calling. But for the purpose of the redemption of man, we the human messengers of the gospel. We go, for this is our calling. They will be with us, but it is not their feet that are beautiful, bringing the good news. Those are ours. Angels administrated the giving of the law, but they did not fulfill it. Christ did. Hallelujah. Christ did. And now the Holy Spirit uses different messengers to administer the gospel. And that's the church accompanied by angels. Could this be their chief service to us? More than anything to assist us in the declaring of the living gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Hmm. Are they not all ministering angels sent out? To serve for the sake of those who are to inherit eternal life. They absolutely are. Let's pray. Father, uh, first I want to pray for those who, who may be here this morning, may be watching, but do not know this Christ, this living, ruling, reigning Christ who came to give his life for them. Father, would you move in their hearts right now? And I, I, I just want to ask that if you're here this morning without Jesus, Jesus did the hard part. He came to live the life we could not live. He died the death we deserved to die but has lavished grace and mercy upon each and every one of us so that we can become children of the living God. And I would just encourage you right now just to just have a conversation with God. He's listening. He is here. You have his rapt attention. And just say to him, Father, I, I didn't know but I do know now, I have heard now, today I submit myself to you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and change me from the inside out. Change the way I think, the way I desire that those things, Lord, that are most important to you will become most important to me, that I will be heavenly minded, and that will make me of so much earthly good. I receive you, Lord Jesus. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I just want to encourage you. There may be somebody sitting next to you today. You don't know who they are. Maybe you do know who they are. Tell them. Let them know. I now have inherited salvation. 
Jesus Christ is my Lord. God is my Father. The Spirit lives in me. And God's ministering servants somehow, in ways that just blow my mind, are with me. And Lord, I pray for us, the church. God, would you open our eyes, Lord, to see that which is not capable of being physically seen. To care about the things that you see. To learn of the things that you see. And to desire more than ever the things that you desire. And not desire the things that you don't desire. And that we will live as the church of the living God. United. Got to pray right now for any relationships in this house that are broken. That we'd not leave this room, Lord, with two of us in attendance here where a relationship is strained or broken. God, let that not... May we fear you more than we fear the encounter. May we fear being disobedient to you more than we fear any human being. God, fill us right now with your spirit to do that which you desire. That we not stand in the way, Lord, even of what you may be doing in this church. Just a couple things real quick before we, we go here. We are going to be praying like we do at the front. There's a couple of thoughts I had as I was praying about this morning. Um, just the word pregnancy came to mind. Um, I don't know if there's a desire to be pregnant and it's just not happening. You're having trouble with the pregnancy. I don't know. But if that's you here this morning or if you're watching live stream, call the church. Let us pray for you. And if that is you here this morning, please let us pray for you. And then the other thing was just work issues. You're either underemployed or unemployed or just not having a great attitude. Some of us have a pathetic attitude at the job that God gave us. Let us shine as lights where we are in the work that God has given us. That is our harvest field. All right, church. Let's stand and sing together. And you can come down for prayer while, uh, if you'd like, uh, some of the guys who are praying this morning, come on down and uh, let us pray for you. Whatever your need is this morning, do not leave here there's something that's in your heart you need prayer please let the Lord minister to you here this morning let's not wait this waste this time okay. church love you so grateful for you and the work of God that he is doing here in this house Amen. I'll see them. oh Lord my rock and my redeemer greatest Greatest treasure of my longing soul. My God like you. My God like you. There is no other. 
true delight is found in you alone. Your grace, your grace, a well too deep to fathom. Your love, your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom. My highest good and my unending need. Oh Lord, my rock. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Strong defender of my weary heart. My sword. To fight the cruel deceiver and my shield against his hateful darts. My song when enemies surround me. My hope when tides of sorrows rise. My joy, my joy. When trials are abounding, your faithfulness, my refuge in the night. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, gracious Savior of my ruined life. My guilt and cross laid on your shoulders. In my place, you suffered, bled, and died. You rose, you rose, grave and death a conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. Sing it again, you rose, you rose, the grave and death of conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, may all my days bring glory to May all my days bring glory to your name. Church, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. You're released to go. If you need prayer, it's available in the front. Y'all have a blessed Sunday. Be safe.